Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Treasure Vault and pulling out some of our favorite conversations. Ken Agoric, whose new book series, Let's Talk, offers conversations on the deep truths that give meaning and direction to life. And he speaks to us about living an authentic life. And also we meet the three singers behind the angelic sound of seraphim. In our second half hour, we have a featured conversation with Mother Dolores Hart, who had the movie star career she dreamed of and then left it all to become a Benedictine nun. And we will end the program with a conversation with Danielle Rose, who has a new album, Culture of Life. We begin now with Living an Authentic Life. Now, for anyone who's been in youth ministry, or even parents with their own kids, really anyone who's had anything to do with teenagers, or I guess anyone who's actually been a teenager themselves, we know that every teenager's desire is to live a full and authentic life. The author of the book series, Let's Talk, claims that this is a right that every teenager has, and that's why Ken Ogorek wrote Let's Talk, a catechetical program for kids in grades 9 to 12. Ken is an experienced religious educator and youth minister, and he's also the director of catechesis for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And to tell us more about this exciting new book series, we are now joined by Ken Ogorek. Ken, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. It's great to spend time with you and your listeners. So why why did you feel that you needed to write these books? What, What was the need? Well, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head, Deacon Pedro, um, when you when you mentioned this this notion of uh, people have a right to to hear the Catholic faith proclaimed in its entirety with no gaps mm. and certainly with no error. And and really, uh, it was Blessed John Paul II in in his his first major document on catechesis. He kind he kind of makes that observation. It's really uh-huh. a basic human right, and we we know that needs to happen over and over again uh, all throughout the course of a person's life. So so I've always or I should say for a long time I've had a heart for, for, for kids uh, experiencing their teen years, and, and I, I feel very strongly that during those four years or so of high school, well, seven in my case, but mm-hmm. I'm just kidding, um, yeah. that, that, that these kids, they have a right to have the faith laid out for them in an engaging way and, and in a way that invites them not only, not only to, uh, to be aware of, of the saving truths of our faith, but, but of course to... To, 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 to put that in the context of a, of a relationship with Christ. That's, that's really a radical idea that, that, we, that is a, the basic human right to have the faith, the Catholic faith explained to us in its fullness, as opposed to the basic human right that we all have to live a full and authentic life. Do you see it? Is there a, a correlation there? Yeah, well, I think, I think you, could, you could name several basic rights that we have, and, and, and most, most people gravitate toward food, clothing, shelter, those sorts of things. Yeah. So I, 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 really, I really thought, I mean, to me, that's a powerful observation that, that John Paul II made, that, mm-hmm. that really, we, you know, people have a right to, 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 he, to have the Catholic faith presented to them. And, and really, I think it puts, a, uh, it puts a lot of responsibility on folks who, who work in catechetical ministry. You know, we need to... We need to be on top of our game, and, and we need to look for for um, for uh, usable, uh, yeah. uh, engaging ways, and that's kind of what led me to write the resource. Right. So something that's comprehensive, that's clear, that's easy to understand, that's engaging. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it kind of boils down to, you know, most, most teens I know will tell you they'd rather have a discussion than listen to a lecture. Oh, absolutely. Uh, frankly, most adults <laughs> would probably too, yeah. tell you the same thing. Yeah. And, and so, so the, the whole premise of Let's Talk is that discussions are great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's helpful, though, oftentimes when they're based on something. So Let's Talk is really a series of what, what you might call guided discussions. Okay. Um, they, they, they always connect an area of real life, something that teens can relate to, like, like getting your driver's license or eating or, or uh-huh. what have you. Mm-hmm. Always connect an aspect of real life with, with an aspect of the faith. And, and there are discussion questions, but each discussion begins with a brief section called Let's Listen. Mm. And that's, that's where simple bullet point background information is provided. That's where the doctrinal content is. Oh, I and, see. And they get that, they get that um, simple but, but, you know, reasonably complete overview of, of, of the major, major doctrines of our faith. Now, are these books that, like, I could give to a teenager, or are they workbooks designed to be used in a, in a group setting in a, or a youth group setting? Yeah, I, they're, they're meant to be used in, in a... I, I really wrote them with a parish youth ministry setting in mind, although uh-huh. certainly a, a Catholic high school teacher could use them. A, yeah. a, a, a mom or a dad uh, could use them at home. Right. I will say this, though. Um, our, our oldest child was, uh, I believe, an eighth grader when I was working on these. And, yeah. and so, I, so I, I actually uh, asked him to take a look at, 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 at one, the first one of the four, and he actually said, Dad, you know, that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. I could see oh, that good. being useful. Well, you know, kids, kids usually don't think anything that their, that their dad <laughs> is, is any good. So That's I, so true. I, that kind of floored me. I was like, well, who, who are you and what have you done with, with my son? But, uh, <laughs> but so, yeah, he enjoyed reading it himself, but, but, but even he said he could see where it could lead to some good, good discussion. Right. Okay, so you mentioned uh, that, that it deals with subjects or topics that matter to most teenagers, uh, relationships, sex, I guess. Yeah, financial yeah, stuff, it, family health. Can you give us an example of maybe one topic and how that it, the the questions, the listen part and the talk part, the discussion questions, how that would sort of work? Yeah, one that comes to mind is I compared I compared uh, eating, which you know teenagers love to do. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I, yes. I compared that to prayer, and and so the back the background information um, sort of laid out the different types of prayer. And tried to explain them in ways that 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 help teens see that many many of the ways that we communicate with 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 friends, loved ones, relatives, a lot of those sort of correspond fairly directly to to different types of prayer. You know, ways mm-hmm. that we might communicate uh, to God, like like prayers of thanksgiving. You know, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully we say, we say thank you to people who, who yeah. matter to us. You know, and and, and on down the line. So so. Um, the, the connection, the connection between doctrine and, and real life experiences, that doesn't dominate the discussions. It's it's really more of a hook, kind of right. an experiential hook to kind of to kind of get their attention, and and then and then really to kind of bring it in for a landing at the end. Just 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 try to help them see that connection between between the importance of prayer on a daily basis and the importance of of nourishing ourselves right. you know, with food. So that's, that's just one example yeah. of mind, Deacon Pedro. Yeah, no, that's good. So, so there, you make connections with Scripture, with the Catechism, with the UCAT. That's all there? Yeah, well, what I did was um, I, I took... There's a checklist that our American bishops use to help um, determine what's called doctrinal conformity with uh-huh. the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Yeah. And I, and I used... That, that's, that's a... That's a, a series of about 350 in-brief items from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So I used those as the, ba- as the basis for the for sort of the let's listen section. So, so there's a lot of sacred tradition in this, let's put it that way. 
but at the but at the end of every discussion that there 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 are scripture passages it's you know for going deeper mm-hmm. there are suggested scripture passages and i actually um included some references to uh uh many of your listeners will be familiar with a, a, a document called the compendium of the catechism uh uh-huh, absolutely yeah uh, and that of course is available online for free so so i i alluded to some questions in the compendium well, lo and behold, UCAT came out right after uh, these books were, were published. See, yeah. So what we did is we quickly correlated the Let's Talk series to UCAT, and that's a free download. Yeah. Uh, actually, actually at at the at the publisher's website, which I know we'll mention yes. in a minute, um, people can download a free user's guide for Let's Talk as well as a free correlation to UCAT so that it can be used in conjunction with UCAT. I see. UCAT. Yeah, I yep. actually, that's great that you mentioned that because I downloaded it myself. Um, so that's good to know. So lots of resources. I know a lot of young people really find the UCAT really useful. And the compendium, I know, which is for people that might not know, it's basically the catechism, but but uh, laid out as question answers. So it's easier to find topics because sometimes the catechism is kind of a little bit daunting <laughs> to sort of. Can be sure. Yeah, it yeah, can, it be, can for, be for some. So now maybe just one last question in closing. You mentioned that uh, that the books are written, or the, I guess the topics are approached according to the U.S. Uh, Catholic bishops' document renewing the vision. So uh-huh. they, the bishops have laid out this vision for youth ministry, correct? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, in renewing the, the vision, the bishops outlined eight components of comprehensive ministry with youth, and, okay. and catechesis is, is one of them. I, I, would, I would argue that's, that, that it's, a core, it's a core component. I mean, yeah. they're all important. So, so what, I'm, what I'm saying is that let's talk is a way that youth ministers can do that one core component catechesis I see. Perfect. very, very well. And in ways that they can often they can often make their own connections to some of those other components of comprehensive ministry with youth. Perfect. Okay, so for youth ministers, teachers, parents, anybody doing anything with young people, this is something that they should look at. Uh, it, it sounds like it's a whole kind of youth youth group year plan that right there that you don't have to do anything just get the books and follow them <laughs> amen amen so thank you ken uh thank you for writing the books for doing what you do and and for sharing it with us today god bless deacon pedro thanks for having me on ken Ogoric is the author of the four book series let's talk published by emmaus road you can purchase the book and and also to get those free downloads that ken was mentioning at emmausroad.org you can also learn more about Ken and his work at his website, kenogorek.com, and we're going to put both those uh, links on our site so you can find them easily. Here now is Seraphim with God of Loveliness.
That was Seraphim with the title track of their album, God of Loveliness. Now you're probably asking, who is Seraphim? To whom do these angelic voices belong? Well, they are three sisters, Krista, Lisa, and Teresa Hansen, who are well known for their beautiful harmonies and these amazing voices. But they're not just great singers. They do it all for the glory of God. And to tell us more about who they are and what they do, I am now joined by Krista, Lisa, and Teresa Hansen. Ladies, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, so Krista is the eldest, so I'm going to start with Krista. Okay. Tell me, tell us about growing up in the handsome, the handsome family home. Oh, it was, it was great. Big family, seven kids. Wow. Um, and it was always music, always uh-huh. music around. Um, as little girls, dad tucked us in singing, singing songs to us and taught us how to carry our own part, harmony, um, by the age of three Wow! at that point. And then we sang in uh, church choirs from very young ages. We were blessed with choir directors that uh-huh. um, welcomed us in there. And um, then our family also did quite a bit of performing as well. So we just had lots of music, um, instruments, we did variety of different instruments as well. So you took lessons? Uh, we did, yeah. Yeah, so you, uh, and, and, and I, I mean, I know that the Hanson family singers, is that the name? I mean, it's not, mm-hmm. right, the whole family is yes. involved in this musical venture. At, yes. at what point did Seraphim, <laughs> it's like you guys broke up the band or something. <laughs> in a way, it was kind of a, a, a bit of a spinoff. Um, uh, well, about 2000 and oh three is when yeah. when um, we were starting to do three parts, three individual parts, just us three singing yeah. together. And that's when um, our producer, David Phillips, uh-huh. then decided to produce our first CD and right. okay. gave, us the, gave us the name of Seraphim. Okay, and Lisa, tell me, tell me where that name comes from, L- Seraphim. Seraphim, well, we went through tons of names, but we finally landed on Seraphim because um, people always telling us that we sounded like angels. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so Seraphim is one of the, the angels, the six-winged angels yeah. um, around the throne of God. So that's where that nice. comes from. Okay. And, and Lisa, how, how, how weird is it singing with your family? I mean, is it like the, the Von Trapp family or the, uh, the Osmonds? I mean, it's what you grew up with, but is it, was it ever weird? It was um, different than anybody else I knew. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, such a unique uh, occupation, let's just say, and and your experiences are so diverse, and you meet so many people, and you, you get to interact with all ages and all different types of people, and so it was, it was really great. Right. So um, I, don't, I don't think it was actually like really weird, but sometimes it can be interesting. Okay, sorry, who's this speaking? This is Lisa. Okay, Lee. Okay, it's still Lisa. So, so you didn't think it was weird, but you thought it was. Sorry. Interesting. 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 Yeah. Did it ever get like, um, d- you know, I mean, to have your dad be the one that's teaching you or rehearsing you. I mean, I don't know if that was the case, but sometimes that, especially when you're teenagers, that might get a little difficult. No. No. Yeah. You guys were angels also in behavior. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no answer. Okay. <laughs> Let me uh, it 
it got a little. This is Krista here. It yeah. got a little, um, little rough now and then, but we all, we're always seem to we always seem to work work through it. Okay, and sorry, and yeah. you said so. There's the three the three sisters, and you said there are seven children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes. who are the others? Uh, so we have three older than us, um, two sisters and a brother. Uh huh. And then there's one brother that's younger. Okay, and so when the whole family sings or sang together, it was the whole family? Um, well, in a way, Mom and Dad did some with the, with the older kids, and then when they got married and moved out of the house, um, then um, the music, as far as the performing part, got more active, and so the, um, the majority of it happened with the three of us girls and our younger brother. Okay, I see. Okay, now, Teresa, we haven't heard, heard from you. So you've, you, Seraphim, have quite, have had quite, uh, I think, I would say the, quite the musical career. You sang at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, the New York City Center Theater, at the Rosary Bowl Northwest, at the, uh, you were at the United Catholic Music and Video Association Awards Ceremony. So, Teresa, what, what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> it was really neat. Um, I guess going to New York yeah, and being in the Gospel Fest there, that nice. was just an amazing experience. Um, it was our first time in New York, and we were right across the street from Carnegie Hall. Yes. And um, it was just something we'd never done before to be a part of that and um it was a really good experience nice how old were you when you went to new york ah uh, let's see i think i was 12 yeah what a great experience you're right yeah um krista mm-hmm. the music that the three of you do is not and i'm going i'm going to be completely stereotypical here but it's not the kind of music that young people stereotypically listen to but you are young, and you've been doing this music since you were even younger. And so I guess you have friends. And what so, sort of what response have you gotten from young people to your music? A good response, actually. Yeah. Um, um, you're, you're right in it being not, not the typical kind of music that young people would listen to. But there is quite, we have quite a following of, of young people, and especially um, little kids. Oh, really? They, they, there are many, many who fall asleep to our music. <laughs> that's not bec- <laughs> That's a compliment, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that we found that to be very, yes, definitely complimentary. <laughs> that's um, can I just say that there's a lot of that lot of young people that that appreciate it and listen to it. Yeah, yeah, good. And what 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 would your um, your friends say, Lisa? When you're 14 years old, let's say, and you're singing with your family or whatever, would would your friends think that that was just a little odd, or 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 that they think it was cool? They think it's they think it's cool. Um, they, you know, a lot of them couldn't quite even grasp that. You know, you just like sing with your family and you like it, <laughs> and you you have a good time, and this is this is your life. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of them say, I wish that I could do that. Really? Yes. Wow, yeah. good, good. Now, Teresa, so as Seraphim, you've, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have four albums, correct? As, as Seraphim. Yes. 
mm-hmm. the last one was a Christmas album, A Seraphim Christmas. Right. Now, do you have any plans for a fifth album, or what's next for you guys? Well, we don't have any in um, the planning right now, but um, you never know. We don't know what God has in hmm. store for us, and we're always open to doing another one. So it's very possible, yes, that there right. could be in the future. Now, is are all three of you interested in pursuing this as a career in music, or, or are you going to w- go and study engineering or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, definitely, I know um, Lisa and I want to continue it as a career, um, which we are doing yeah. um, with our family. And I guess Krista would have to answer her part of that. Because Krista is in college right now? Krista is married, and she lives in Wisconsin, and we are in Oregon. So right now, she is um, a full-time mom. She has a little boy. Oh, good. So, yeah. Okay, so now she broke up the band. (laughs) (laughs) Krista, (laughs) not only did you go and get married, but you moved to another state. Yes, Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, this is is Lisa here. Um, Yeah? We're always uh, open to, you know, doing performances and, um, you know, events and stuff, you know. Uh, even since she, you know, got married, we just haven't done that yet, but we're always open to that possibility, so. Right, I guess it's just a little more challenging if you're going to get together <laughs> to right. rehearse. or. Yeah. Um, what about, do you ever do any original music? I, I know that as, as the Hanson family you do, but as Seraphim, is there any, are there any original pieces? Do you ever do any composing? Oh, no, we haven't. Okay, then that's my proposal to you. That's next. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That sounds good. Write some songs. Um, uh, Thank you so much for uh, coming on the program. It's been really fun chatting with you and uh, and getting to know you. And and I agree with everybody else. You sound like angels, and you need to keep doing what you're doing. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. You're very welcome. So that was Krista, Lisa, and Teresa Hansen. They are Seraphim. You can learn more about them at their website, seraphim.ws. Um, I'm going to put that link on our site, but you can also find them on Facebook. Just look for Seraphim. And here now they are, Seraphim, with a song that needs no introduction.
You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Dolores Hart only had one dream, to be an actress, and that dream came true. At age 19, she began a successful career. She starred in 10 highly successful films opposite the likes of Montgomery Clift, Robert Wagner, and Anthony Quinn. In fact, she gave Elvis Presley his first on-screen kiss in the 1957 film Loving You. She starred opposite Presley again in 1958 um, in the film King Creole. She also appeared in many TV shows and gave a Tony-nominated Broadway performance in The Pleasure of His Company. Um, She really had a promising career ahead of her. Then, she made a surprising decision. She left all the glitz and glamour of Hollywood and entered the Benedictine Abbey of Regina Laudis in Bethlehem, Connecticut. Mother Dolores' story is now a book, The Ear of the Heart, and I am very pleased to be joined now by Mother Dolores Hart. Mother, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. What a pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that beautiful introduction. Well, you, you certainly have had quite, quite the life. Um, let's see if we can go back to the beginning. You grew up in a broken family. Your father was an alcoholic who was abusive to your mother. Your mother also was an alcoholic. You spent time living with your grandparents. I mean, it was definitely a complicated and colorful, if I can say, family. How do you think that you managed to, and I hate to say this, but how did you manage to escape falling into some of those same patterns? Well, you see, I, I think that uh, even though um, alcoholism was a problem for my parents, they were very good to me uh-huh. and very, very um, wholesome and honest in their way of speaking to me. And I think that made all the difference. So you felt that they loved you, they valued you? Um, absolutely, absolutely. And they never spoke ill of one another. Uh, oh, that's that's interesting. That probably makes a mm-hmm. huge difference with small it does children. Does indeed. Mm-hmm. And now, tell us a little bit of, because you spent uh, uh, quite a few years living with your grandparents, and then going back and forth between your mother's home and your grandparents' home. How did growing up in your grandparents' home in in uh, it was in Chicago, right? How did that yeah. uh, How did that influence you? Well, my grandparents were also very loving people, and my grandfather was a. a, a he, he worked in the theater, uh, motion picture theater. He was uh-huh. an operator. Yeah, you know, uh, a projectionist, yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. And I often went with him to see the films. And right. He, he, he paid me to wake him up to change the, <laughs> the, the wheels. That's great. So that's that's obviously where your passion, your love for film uh, began. Um, and I want to talk about that. But before that, so you were baptized when you were 10 years old while, you were, li- while you were living with your grandparents? That's right. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you come to to know and love the church, the Catholic Church? Well, I was in sc- I, I was sent to the school, St. Gregory's, because my grandmother did not want me to cross railroad tracks or street turf tracks, right. and she um, really didn't mind my being there. And I um, was astounded by the. Um, fact that the children all had sweet rolls and chocolate milk after mass right. because they had to fast from midnight. Uh-huh. And of course, I had to eat my breakfast alone at home. So I told the sister that I wanted to take the bread with the children. I, I meant the sweet rolls. She thought I meant the Eucharist. <laughs> right. So then, so, 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 sorry, go ahead. Oh, so she, she asked if I could join the class of religion, and I said, 
to my grandmother, how about them? I could have a good breakfast. And she said, it's up to me. <laughs> right. So that's, so, a, yeah. Uh, see, that's how it happened. That's a very f- funny way how God works his way it, into our yeah. lives. Um, but so then, and then you began practicing the Catholic faith when you were not at that school. Did you continue attending mass? Like, how was that? Yes, they did. Yeah. And um, when I finally went back to live in California with my mother, who had remarried. Yes. And um, my mother was, she was very... And, in fact, when we went to school to, to um, get me into the, um, the school because I uh, came as a, um, a lone child, uh-huh. um, the, the priest told her, I'm sorry, but there's no room. And my mother said, well, you'd better make room because if you don't, I'm going to come here and throw birds through your windows. Oh, <laughs> that that that'll get that'll get anyone doing anything. Um, <laughs> d- um, once your career began, you would you say that you were already uh, had a, a positive and loving relationship with the church? I think so because I grew up. Then I went to Catholic school, Catholic um, high school, and even Marymount, the Catholic college. So. Um, I definitely had many, many wonderful persons who influenced me along the way. And and this was a, a period in Hollywood where th- being Catholic was normal. I mean, you had Jimmy Stewart, who was Catholic. Um, Bishop Fulton Sheen must have his program must have been yes, uh, you know right. on and um, uh, uh, so how was the h- how was it being Catholic in Hollywood at that time? Well, you see, you mentioned Jimmy Stewart. I was also great friends with Maria Cooper, the daughter of Gary Cooper. Oh, yes. And, That's right. And and she was also a very good Catholic girl. Uh-huh. And she was a tremendous help and influence on my life in Hollywood. Right. She would constantly suggest to me what would be a good place to go and what would be a good place to stay away from. Really? <laughs> Really, that's that's amazing, and I, I'm sure actors mm-hmm. nowadays can't don't have the same experiences. Now, you, your dream was to be an actress. That dream came true. You wanted to get married and have a family. So, what changed? Um, I think that along the way, the um, the desire or the thought of entering um, religious life never occurred to me until. I visited Regina Laudis, right. and I went there, um, a friend of mine suggested that I go there when I was in the play in New York. Mm-hmm. She said she thought it would be a good place to relax, and and so the minute I, the minute that I came there, I was astounded by my response to the place, and I asked the abbess if she thought I might have a, a, a place there, and she, I was 19. She said, "No, Dolores, not now. Hmm. You you go and do your movie thing. That's what you need to do, and get that out of your system." So I was so happy. I thought, "Oh, good. <laughs> I don't have to um, think about this." But right. the seed was planted. Right, and you and you returned many times visiting, yeah. and I guess yeah. also struggling with whether you had a vocation. In the meantime, you were making yeah. all these films and 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 living your life as a as a as a as a movie star, I guess. In mm. in the book, Mother, you describe a beautiful scene 
about a walk you had in the winter through the fields of the monastery and after which you wrote a letter. What, what, was that the moment that you think everything changed for you? I think so. I do. Because actually it was a snowstorm. Uh-huh. Not, not, a, not a violent one. I don't mean that. But the, but the, the sky was full of the falling snow. And yeah. I, went, I went up to the place where Mother Abbess um, the first abbess of the monastery, the foundress, had planted um, a, a medal of St. Benedict when she first arrived. Oh, yeah. And I think at, at that moment, I was, I just thought, I've got to ask her and see, is this the right time? And the response came in, in an indirect way, didn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and now that was 50 more, more than 50 years ago? Oh, indeed. <laughs> that was 1963. Um, it would be the, um, the, the winter of 19... It would be, uh, no, the winter of 62. And, did and then I entered six months later in June of 63. And, and have you ever thought or looked back and wondered what life would have been like had you not entered the monastery? Oh, I think you always wonder how things might have been mm-hmm. if you... But every, you know, the clarifications come constantly. Yes. That, and you know, this would never have worked. Yes, it yes. would never have been right. Yes. Now, maybe just in closing, because you didn't leave your acting career completely, because one of the things that is offered at the monastery is, is theater. There's summer theater. Tell us a little mm. bit about that and how that came about and your involvement with that. Well, we had a visit from Patricia Neal, the actress. Yes. And um, Patricia had just been thrown out very rudely from her marriage in England. And Maria, uh, Janice Cooper, um, uh-huh. invite, she suggested that she come and see me. And uh, but Patricia came um, in an absolute vicious attempt to write a book about Roald. And our abbess countered that and said, Patricia, stay with us a while think this over. And Patricia did. And uh-huh. Patricia signed that she also responded to the Abbey, but she said, I'll never work again. I have no real capacity. So we challenged her on that. We asked her to do something on uh, in a tent outside on uh-huh. the field. She did it, and in the middle of it, a huge rainstorm came. And uh, at the end of it, she said, I will never do this again here. You have to have a theater here. Yeah. So <laughs> and so we built the theater. It's a summer theater called the Gary for Gary Cooper uh-huh. and Olivia for her daughter. Oh, I see. And so there is a summer season. Every summer there's a play, and people can find out at, at the website, the, the Abbey website, Regina Laudis. Um, right. Uh, We're doing Fiorello this year. Oh, nice, nice. And Connecticut's not too far from where we are in Toronto, so maybe you'll, I'll have to go down for a visit. Um, <laughs> that would be wonderful. Mother, your, <laughs> your book is out. It's a, it's a great read. There's lots of great stories on it. Um, what would you say, if you could summarize your story, what would you say your story is about? Well, I think it's a story about a very lucky young actress who was even luckier when the Lord called her out of Hollywood to become one of his Benedictines. And 
it's a story I think that um, shows you the grace of God and how if you are in union and keep your heart open to God your life is going to belong to you amen and that's that's true for everyone mother Dolores Hart it's been a great pleasure speaking with you today thank you for taking a little bit of time because I know you're very busy uh, right now in California um, uh, for sharing your story with us and uh, and keep doing what you're doing another 50 years oh thank <laughs> you so much God bless you and you your too. work and we'll keep you in our prayers thank you very much Mother Dolores Hart is a former actress and prioress of the Benedictine Abbey of Regina Laudis in Bethlehem, Connecticut. Her book, The Ear of the Heart, An Actress's Journey from Hollywood to Holy Vows, is co-authored by Richard Denute and published by Ignatius Press. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Danielle Rose, with A Mother's Communion from her new album, Culture of Life. Unexpected invitation, this new life that I've received. I'm afraid, but I am willing. You have just changed everything. You are silent, you are hidden, but look deep within and see. Body, blood, and soul are present. Living fully within me I am not worthy to receive this life But only say the word I shall be Now one little child might 
perish, but I'll be born into eternal life. We receive your That was Danielle Rose with A Mother's Communion from her new album, Culture of Life. After four albums, Danielle Rose finally released her new pro-life album entitled Culture of Life. It's a musical reflection on the interrelated components of society that are necessary to build an authentic culture of life. And with this album, Danielle is using her voice to minister on behalf of the children of China Little Flower Orphanage to raise spiritual and financial support so that babies' lives can be saved and souls brought to Christ. And Danielle Rose joins us, joins us now on the phone. Danielle, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Pedro. So you were in China, and I know that because I see yes. all the pictures of you on the Great Wall. W- tell us a bit about yes. that trip. Well, I met a couple missionaries from China uh, about three years ago. And I began to learn about the whole situation in China with, uh, with the persecution of Christians and also the reality of the implications of the one-child policy in people's daily lives. Yeah. And as I learned about this, it affected me very deeply, and I felt called to respond to it. And God showed me that I could use my voice to be able to help speak on behalf of those who couldn't speak for themselves. And so I got in, uh, God led me into a relationship with a particular orphanage there called China Little Flower. That's just a beautiful ministry that helps basically save babies one at a time that would otherwise not be able to live as oh. a result of the whole situation in China. Okay, so wait, so back up. So the Little Flower as in St. Therese? Yes, as in St. Therese who wanted to be a missionary to China. She did? Yeah. I, I didn't know that about her. Okay, cool. So, and, and so who runs the orphanage? It's run by an American family. They have six kids of their own. But when they saw the whole situation with the orphans in China, they felt called to start this whole ministry. And so they completely rely on God's providence in the midst of a very difficult situation there, um, both spiritually and materially, because of the whole government and the one-child policy and the communism and all these different things. Okay, so, so the reason why they are saving babies is because of the one-child policy. Are these people who are having more than one children and giving them up? Or how does that work? What, what do you mean? For some, for some of the children, yes. In China, each family is only permitted to have one child. And after that, children are killed through forced abortion. Uh-huh. And at this time, there have been over 400 million babies killed through forced abortion as a result of the one-child policy, which is more than the whole United States. Like, the United States yes. is 300 million. Yeah. Um, so it's something, it's something very uh, overwhelming. Like, the average woman in China, by the time she's 30, has an average of four or five forced abortions. 
Oh, 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 okay, so how can a foreign family in China have an orphanage? Like, isn't the whole point that they don't want to have so many kids, baby, extra um, population? So how, is that, are they under the table or is this, how is it sanctioned? They, it is sanctioned, but it is not sanctioned in terms of the faith content. Because if the government knew that it was being done because of God and as a sense of missionary work, then they would get shut down. So it has to be done very, very carefully. Okay. Um, very carefully. Now, in terms of them caring for the children, that's open. Yeah. But it's a very delicate situation. One of the other things that I learned about China is that, and this is, again, something that's just very... Um, confidential i don't like post these kind of things like on my on my website and i don't post them on facebook because it could jeopardize people's safety yeah yeah but um but in china one third of the state-run orphanages have a hundred percent mortality rate for the babies that come in and so this particular orphanage china little flower has formed a very delicate relationship with one of the orphanages that are in this category, and basically they entrust children one at a time over to China Little Flower, and China Little Flower assumes responsibility for their care. Uh-huh. Most of the babies have special needs, and um, and when they take these children, literally they're saying, we will take care of them, we'll provide for everything, don't worry about it, we'll just take them, and then they're just trusting in God to provide. So at any given time they have, uh, you know, it could be a couple hundred babies that are infants with special needs, and then also about 50 children that are older that are in foster group homes okay. and um and so they're really they're kind of silent in terms of being able to tell people what their needs really are uh-huh. um but that's what i'm trying to help them do so okay so sorry so china little flower orphanage has that many children or you you talk about yes the yes really yes. so it's huge mm-hmm. it's big it's huge and it's you a were tremendous th- undertaking and you were there uh, volunteering helping out for a while I learned about the orphanage before I even went there, mm-hmm. and I already knew I felt called to try to help help raise awareness and support for them before I even went there. But now I've been over there a few different times uh-huh. and hope to go back again maybe sometime at the end of this year if God permits. Really? So then this new album, how much of it is, is based on your experiences there in terms of culture of life? I would say uh, a majority of it because, in a sense, for me, looking at China... And in coming to fall in love with the people there and also recognize the, the culture of death that's at work has been like a mirror to really look at my own life and our own culture here in the U.S. Uh-huh. to be able to really examine, you know, what, what's going on, what do we need to do? And I felt like God invited me to do this pro-life album to try to say, hey, you guys, like if we're going to pray for an end to one-child policy and end to abortion in the world, what does that take? You know, what's necessary for that to really happen? And it's not this isolated issue. It's connected with so many different things. It's connected to chastity. It's connected to, to end-of-life care. It's connected to all the adoption. All these things are part of that prayer of a true culture of life and really of an end to abortion. Right. So, um, so musically, it's trying to you know, present all of those things together in a coherent sort of presentation musically. Uh-huh. Now, are all the songs new, or were some of the songs songs that you had from before that you were just saving? Um, there is one song that I knew I wanted that was uh, released before, but all the, they're all new in the sense of being released on an album. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, your sister sings with you on three of the tracks, is that correct? Yes. Aubrey sings on three of the tracks, and uh-huh. she's so awesome. It's like my favorite in the world to sing with her. She sings on the song called You Matter, which is all about how each soul is unrepeatable in eternity. Yeah. She sings with me on a song called... Um, oh... No, 
not a burden, which is about how every life is worth having sacrifices made for that life yeah. at no matter what point in their life. And then there's a happy little silly song that's actually a hidden track on the album. It's called I Love Lifeland, and it's yeah. just happy about how life is a beautiful, just happy gift. So we wrote that one together. That's fun. So had you, had you sung or written songs with your sister before? I've sung before, but never written something with her before. It was super fun. It was fun. It sounds a lot of fun. It sounds like you guys are very, very close. Yes, we are. We're very close. In fact, she's out here with me, staying with me for a few weeks, having special sister time before I'm getting married in one month from oh, today. That's, that's so, you know what? I can hear the, the joy in your voice when you talk about your sister. Um, it's like yeah. this, this, this really personal uh, thing about you that, that you're letting us in. I didn't know this about you. This is great. Um, so you're getting married. Yes, Praise God, it's been a, mus- a mysterious and beautiful process, and God has finally revealed His will for my vocation definitively. <laughs> Absolutely, and you really dis- discerned all, all, every single vocation possible, didn't you? Yes, and I'm very grateful my discernment in the convent helped prepare me uh-huh. for my voca- for the vocation of marriage that God has prepared for me for all eternity. So I'm very grateful for that time of formation and grateful that it helped led me- lead me to the yes that He has in mind for my soul. Absolutely, and you know what, marriage is great i've been married for 17 years and i can't uh, only good things it's it's a great vocation so uh i'm I'm really happy for you and for anyone who is preparing to get married because it's it's a wonderful beautiful 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 vocation um it is and it's a call from god yeah well yeah absolutely a call to holiness so you are responsible for your husband going to heaven isn't that beautiful it's so beautiful. It's amazing. Yes, and he's responsible for you going to heaven, so that's cool. Um, so you just finished this album. It literally just is l- just out, what, a month? Um, just out. It was released on January 22nd, which is the 40th anniversary of, of Roe v. Wade. Wade in the U.S. when we, when abortion was legalized. So this uh, the album is trying to be a response to build... God's life and bring the culture of life in the midst of, to transform a culture of death into a culture right. of life. Right, no, and I think it does that. And again, it's, it's like everything that you've done in the past is, is, is excellent. It's, it's a really good album. Um, I know you're getting married, and so that's probably the biggest, newest thing in your life, but do you have any other things coming up? Uh, any new albums in the works? Anything that we need no, to... No, at this point, at this point, I am just super excited to be able to begin sharing this album with people, and I'm very excited for praying that this music will help bring healing to a lot of people, bring hope, and bring conversion as well. Absolutely. So I'm very excited about this. Absolutely. And we're very excited too. So it's a privilege to, to help you promote it, and, and hopefully our uh, listeners will check, uh, check you out on your website and, and, and buy the album, download it. It's not expensive, and it's a good cause. Thank you, Danielle. It's been great talking to you again. Congratulations for your, you. Uh, on your marriage, and, uh, and uh, I know we'll stay in touch. So uh, God bless. Thank you, and God bless you too, Pedro. Have a Thank beautiful you. day. That was our featured artist of the week, Danielle Rose. You can learn more about Danielle at her website, daniellerose.com. You can also learn about the China Little Flower Orphanage at chinalittleflower.org. Here now is Danielle with Glorious Wounds from her new album, Culture of Life. He conquered death when he rose from the grave. But why do his wounds from still remain the king of glory scars down the story of where he has been he passed through the door 
were listening to Danielle Rose with Glorious Wounds from her album Culture of Life. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember that you can listen to any of these interviews at any time by simply going to our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. And that's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music, Christian music like never before. Email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org and visit us on Facebook. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro. If God can bring